Mr. Speaker. It's that time. It is a Friday morning. It's time for politics here on Radio 191 FM, the Otago Museum Breakfast. I'm joined by Phil Ferguson, John Moore, and Jill Moore. Morena to you all. Morena. 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 Turn that one up. All right. We're going to begin with the National Party this morning. An internal crisis, maybe. Uh, but the party faithful seem to be standing strong um, with a, you know, the full on witch hunt. Uh, it was kind of out of control. It's hardly dented national support at all. But how long can they maintain this? Um, you know, allegations of fraud, racism. Um, there's buying positions in the party, mocking mental health, personal attacks, gutter politics. But somehow, John Bridges is still at the wheel. He is at the wheel, but I'm sure he's feeling very demoralised at the moment, as as the wider party will be, and especially the members of the National Party caucus. This has been a a very difficult couple of weeks for them, uh, where they've constantly had to answer very tricky questions to the media, um, and where their their own leader uh, is under threat of being arrested. Um, There's currently a police investigation into the donation scandal, um, and as Andrew Guinness, uh, the law professor here at Otago University, said uh, if Bridget was to be found guilty, he could sue prison time. Now, that might be unlikely, but it's still something that's uh, hovering over Bridget's uh, head. Um, and I, I guess um, National are going to be having an internal inquiry over the culture within the party, and I think a lot of that is what this crisis comes down to, that there's been a culture or a layer within the party that's been used to using dirty politics as a way to promote their ideas and and certain uh, individuals in the party, and in a sense... the chickens have come home to roost for the National Party, that this sort of toxic politics that has existed in the party is now sort of turning against, uh, you know, the, the, the beasts that created it. Mm. But, I mean, this type of toxic politics is across the board. It is, but I think there, there, there's certain individuals, supporters and, and um, members of the National Party uh, who don't necessarily have a clear political agenda but have been prepared to mo- use the most sort of uh, unprincipled politics to, to push their own personal agendas. And we've got people on the outside like Jordan Lusk, uh, like Cameron Slater from Whale Oil, who have been working uh, in the past at least with people like uh, Judith Collins um, and, and with Jamie Lee Ross. Jamie Lee Ross at the moment. Uh, has been seeking advice from Cameron Slater and, and Jordan Lusk and uh, I'm sure their agendas are all to do with revenge for being sort of pushed on the outer of the National Party um, and again it's a, a case of chickens coming home to roost mm-hmm. uh, Jill, you're a pair of fresh eyes for us this morning, what's your take on it all? Well, um, you know, I, I, I read, you know, different people's views of things and everything else, but I suppose the one thing that really sticks out for me is the woman that um, who had made complaints, mm. and then I just read that there were 15 other women. I mean, is that true? Is that not true? I don't know. But I suppose for me it is why 
weren't these complaints dealt with in a proper manner mm. at the time they were received and I understand the president of the National Party um, was part of one of the complainants uh, meeting with Jamie Lee and then just saying, oh, it's all covered over now, it's fine, they both agreed, they don't want to take it any further. But what I would like to know is, was that woman pushed in to believing that that was what she needed to do? Yeah. Or was she? why wasn't she given other options? I'm sure there would be options um, for these women and I don't believe that they have been given them. I don't know why. Mm. Is it because they're women? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems like one of them was an MP, but the rest of them might have been lower level within the party. Uh, and, you know, and, and it ma that makes me think that it was like, well, you know, if this is if you want to have a career with the National Party, you better be quiet about this. Yes. You know, yes. And, and, and it doesn't seem like much was done about Jamie Lee Ross at the time, because these allegations are, have been ongoing, it seems like, for, for, since Jamie Lee Ross mm. has been a member, of, well, not necessarily a member of the party, but since he's been an MP at the party, so it's been a very long time. Yes, and, uh, I, I, yeah, I, it just bewilders me. Um, and I think that, as John said and you said, there's this, this, this toxicity, you know, within the party, and I think it's, the time has come. I mean, it's all, as everything's out there now, and here's their opportunity to make sure this doesn't happen, and not only in the National Party, but in other political parties as well, and further out into the community and the universe, that you, you know, you can't get away with this sort of stuff. There needs to be um, within your workplace or whatever a proper complaints mm -hmm. um, thing that so that women, men can go there and know that they will be heard. Yeah, I mean, because of the, the way it must seem to some members of the party or people that know this, it's like e even if you do something like this, nothing's really going to come of it, and you'll keep your position within the party, and you'll keep you know doing your work, and you might get a little slap on the wrist if you do it again, if yeah. you do it again, if you do it again. It's not sending a signal to people like Jamie Lee Ross that no. that, that it's inappropriate. Mm. Yeah, and I mean we've seen it in the um, Hollywood stuff you know going on these people have got away with this sort of nonsense for years because people accept it's all right to touch someone's backside or mm. boob or whatever yeah but you know we need to have very strict um guidelines so that people follow those yeah and that the woman's voices are heard indeed indeed um i mean there's been so many allocations phil about a, a lot of things um get you know, a 2% drop in the polls, it's hardly dented them at all. Yes, it doesn't seem to have made very much difference, and I think that's because of the political ground that they occupy, that people are differentiating between the behaviour of individuals in the National Party and the the political basis of National. And there's a clear, kind of sizeable constituency for a socially rather liberal party, I mean it's National's a lot more socially liberal than it used to be, that stands for right of centre economics and there's nowhere else for those people to go um, I mean they could some of them switch at election time to Labour because they're pretty interchangeable these days but it, there's, there's that body of opinion there's nowhere else for it to go so it sticks with National mm -hmm. some of them will be you know probably quite 
uh, reactionary and sexist and not necessarily think that anything that Jamie Ross did was was especially wrong. It's just unfortunate that he got caught out. Mm-hmm. But some of them, and probably a lot of them, will you know like not think that what he did was by any means acceptable. But where are they go- where are they going to go? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think uh, at present, like Simon Bridges, although he's he's probably having a rough time of it, he, I think he's relatively secure in that if National slipped under 40% then there might be a challenge to him, but otherwise, why get rid of him now? Yeah. Um, unless he, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he goes to, if he went to jail, obviously they'd, they'd have to, and they've got you know, they've got plenty of time, they've got another two years, but I think also we seem to, since MMP, we seem to be living in longer political cycles. You know, we've had three, three-term governments um, now, which mm-hmm. didn't happen under first past the post um, very often. Yeah, and so I think you know, National's got time to yeah sort it out to right the ship, perhaps. But I mean, is it a case? You know, that we live in a world where if it's not hurting me personally, I don't really care. You know, if it's um, not hurting me economically, if the party hasn't done anything to hurt me economically or, or my, you know, my conditions of life, um, then then they can just do what they like. Because you know, the petrol the petrol thing's hitting Labour harder, mm. perhaps, than this is hitting National. Mm. No, no, I wouldn't go that far because I think you've got all these new social movements cropping up, which show that people are deeply concerned about certain uh, social issues, economic issues like the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, there continues to be deep concerns around issues of inequality, but, but I guess politics has become more and more polarised, um, especially in, in America and Europe. I don't think that's such the case here, where we don't have those intense uh, cultural wars that you see in Europe and America. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I guess as Phil said, uh, centre-right voters don't really have many other options other than not to vote at all. Mm. So they're sort of... Uh, uh, locked into supporting national uh, and act, I guess, has seemed so irrelevant that uh, <laughs> uh, they they haven't benefited at all from this crisis with national. Um, um, but it could. I mean, uh, one thing uh, we don't have the figures, but it might have turned a greater number of people off from voting or participating in politics. That's one danger with these sort of uh, uh, crises, which aren't. Uh, centred around policy issues and big ideas, um, and and so yeah, I mean it could it could lead to a drop of um, political participation in, in our electoral system potentially, which is low enough as it is. Yeah, it is low enough as you it know. is. But th- this crisis won't help. Yeah, well, I mean it seems like I mean I, I know it's just a poll, and, uh, and and the latest poll it's a phone a landline poll. I'm pretty sure. So I mean a lot of those young people uh, mm. don't have landlines, so they're not going to be part of it. Um, but it, it might. Seem like it looks like there's maybe not that much of a swing base. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, the, the thing is that National has cannibalised the whole sort of centre right vote, so they, they they don't have any friends essentially. Um, whereas the what could be described as the centre left and in, in, in more liberal um, uh, part of the electorate. Um, their their support goes to a number of parties, including the Greens, including Labour, and I guess it's New Zealand First sort of uh, is able to gather um, people from the right and left as their support base. Um, 
but yeah again um yeah maybe yeah again you're not going to see much movement in terms of support even in the time of crisis for national because they have that in the well i think it's quite a precarious position for them that they have cannibalized that entire sort of section of the center-right vote and again don't have any friends which means they can't yeah. form a government so it's, yeah so it's like it's a good thing and a bad thing for the national party because yeah. people aren't going to leave the party support well it looks good on paper go. it but looks good yeah. where they can say i mean they've just dipped below uh labor in terms of overall support but they I'm sure they could go up again and be the most popular party still um, but yeah if they don't have any friends uh, then it's not much good have we heard anything else from the Jamie Lee Ross saga is there any new developments no I mean there's lots of uh, rumours and conspiracy theories floating around um, certainly uh, Cameron Slater from Whale Oil who is very close with Jamie Lee has, uh, has put out some conspiracy theories around were people inside National responsible for Jamie Lee being sectioned for example and I find it concerning the media hasn't concentrated on that enough it is quite extraordinary for a member of parliament to be sectioned put into Mm. a mental ward and not then being able to communicate with the general public and say use his phone now there might have been uh, maybe he was a, a danger to himself and, and, and that's the reason he was sectioned and, and it was a responsible action from um, medical staff but Simon Bridge for example was asked if any National Party members um, had played a part in, in Jamie Lee being sectioned and he wouldn't answer yeah, uh, and I think that is that's so it it is up to the media and people, yeah, us to to question um, uh, what were exactly the grounds that he was sectioned. I don't on. think it's any of our business personally, and I don't think it's anything we should really talk about of why he should be sectioned. This is a man's mental health, and if it's brought up into the public arena, it's only going to make things worse for him. If if, if people are talking, yeah, we about need to why, be sensitive. To you know, he's a human being, mm. and but I guess when his best friend. Uh, Cameron Slater, maybe Cameron Slater's just shit staring here, is questioning uh, the grounds on why Jamie Lee was sectioned. And I think we we do have a right to know if people in the National Party played a role in him being sectioned. I think Simon Bridges should answer that question. I don't want to follow um, the path of whale oil. And, you know, if if he's bringing it up, that's fine. But he's an immoral bastard. So I don't don't want to go anywhere near that. Like, if he's bringing it... It's not very wise of Jamie Lee to have Cameron Slater as his (laughs) advisor and and chum, is it? That's not a good move. It's not very sophisticated. No. But but I I assume we're going to hear more. Um, It seems like Jamie Lee Ross does have more things, and he has released stuff since he's been released from um, the hospital where Mm. he he was. Um, And and that's another thing altogether. Um, Too many people are getting sectioned and then released five days later. It seems very bizarre to me. Um, But, you know, our mental health system is a bit broken. Yes, I mean, I I would agree with that too. When I heard that he was out two days later, I mean, I have experience of a family member being sectioned um, because of a risk to himself Mm. and to other people. And it was, he ended up um, probably being, I would say, nearly three months because, you know, they were working out what it was that was causing him to be like this and medicating him and trialling medications and things. But I am talking about... Mm, 25 years ago Mm. I agree with you I think nowadays our mental health system is so broke you'd be lucky to even get in there you know I mean there's probably people in police cells Mm. who really should be sectioned into a mental 
health. There's people in prison. Institution. And in prison. Yeah. 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 That, so yeah. the mental health system is, is well and truly broke. It, it really is. It really is. And it, it, when it's something that the Labour's talked about a lot, um, uh, but I haven't really seen much from them anyway. Um, we better move on to Saudi Arabia. Um, massive uh, revelations this week in the case of Jamal uh, Khashoggi. Um, what are they, John? Right, so Jamal Khashoggi is, was a dissident journalist from Saudi Arabia, um, now um, living between Turkey and America, I believe, writing for um, American media, um, writing lots of articles critical of the Saudi Arabian government. He was to get married to his um, to his uh, Turkish fiance, uh, went to the Saudi consulate in Istanbul uh, to, to sort out his um, passport and paperwork and then the revelations after revelations uh, seemed to point to him being murdered in the consulate uh, his, his body was then uh, chopped up and, and parts of his body at least were then buried at the um, Saudi consulate general's property house mm. uh, in Istanbul. Now the big question is, uh, who's behind all this? Is the top level of the leadership in Saudi Arabia, did they uh, give the okay or the order for this murder to be carried out? Um, the um, Crown Prince, who's effectively the ruler of, um, of Saudi Arabia, has said he, he played no part. Um, uh, but uh, uh, if we look at the wider context, the Crown Prince has certainly um, unleashed uh, the state on dissidents in Saudi Arabia itself. So uh, a, a number of the women campaigners for women's right to drive cars have been um, locked up. Journalists have been locked up. Um, uh, there's been a crackdown on the Sh Shiite community. And of course there's the escalating war in Yemen, which is sort of the Crown Prince's pet project. So, yes, um, uh, it, there's not concrete evidence that the Crown Prince or the top-level leadership of the Saudi regime was involved, but it, um, I think most people are presuming that the Crown Prince, uh, yes, gave the orders here. Well, I mean, your shifting story often points to bullshit, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, uh, you say one thing, you say another, you say another, you say another. Uh, and now the latest revelations is, um, oh, yes, it was premeditated, but it wasn't by us. Um, they were, you know, the planes that flew those 15 men in, they were from the family, you know, it, it all points back to them, um, but, you know, you, it's Saudi Arabia, arm deals up the wazoo, $2 billion a year to the UK, billions and billions to the US, um, and many other countries around the world, um, plus energy security, I mean, you've even seen it this week with their big flashy uh, business initiative uh, conference um, where some people have pulled out some companies have said they pulled out but they still have lower level people on the ground there uh, and billions and billions of dollars worth of deals are being done so I mean it, it, it's almost like uh, <laughs> uh, bridges it's almost like they're untouchable yeah, it seems that way, but um, you know, lots of uh, dictators and uh, um, ruthless uh, leaders have fallen in the past and uh, fallen in Certainly recent history. Yeah, uh, I, I guess. I mean, uh, the Crown Prince here, if, he d if his uh, hands were on this murder, um, he, he's 
his whole vision of uh, diversifying the Saudi economy and bringing investment in from around the world. Um, he's really hurt Saudi Arabia's prospects here um, um, because um, corporations and Western governments will be far more hesitant about openly um, collaborating with the Saudi regimes in political matters, military matters and economic matters. Yeah, I think money rules the roost, really, Jill, uh, and I don't see anything really changing. <laughs> no, I suppose the whole thing for me was I was totally appalled, um, you know, with this murder and everything, and and I don't know a lot about Saudi Arabia, um, but, yeah, I, th- I, I think they will hurt from this, mm. because, and I hope people don't just sort of push it aside and say, oh, well, that's the murder, that's gone now, we'll forget about that and get on with something else. I think this is a story that Mm. should go out to the world and say this is barbaric, this is appalling, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to tolerate this. But I think, do people who do these things, are they unwell? Are they mentally deranged? Or are they brought up in such a way that they are trained to believe that that is normal to normalise these things mm. God, yeah. no It's sickening, it's absolutely sickening mm. But I mean it, it, uh, Phil, it, it's like in Russia it's not like uh, Europe decided to turn the gas off when, you know, the Russians went and poisoned people in Britain you know, they've, yeah. start, they, they've still accepted the gas, they're still doing business uh, and the rest of the world looks like they're still doing business uh, and they may use tough rhetoric you know, even Trump's coming out in the last couple of days and saying some pretty stern stuff about the prince yeah, I think the, the economic entanglements are such that none of the major trading partners with Saudi Arabia, um, several of whom have very big, um, who, who do particularly well, they export yeah. a lot more to Saudi Arabia than what they import, mm-hmm. um, particularly in arms are not going to break off relations. I think it's it's just inconceivable that in a dictatorship like Saudi Arabia, where the so-called royal family, their fingers and tentacles are everywhere, was not behind this killing or was not aware that it was going to happen or did not order it to happen. So I think there's... They're so clearly implicated that even people who normally would be expected not to criticise them, mm. like an American president like Trump or like Theresa May or like Macron, all those three have had had, had no choice really yeah. but to criticise them because the hands of the Saudi state you know, have got blood all over them and you just can't pretend that, that, they're, that, that they're clean hands. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about, I mean, tens and tens and tens of billions of, of dollars, New, uh, New Zealand dollars, say, and it's the United States, Britain and France. I mean, France is a major supplier of weaponry to, to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And the Saudi Arabians use a whole chunk of those weapons. It's not simply that they, they sit there in the Prince... And, and and co look at them and think, oh, isn't that nice? We've got all these shiny weapons. You know, they're murdering people in Yemen with them, civilians and and so on. You know, yeah. every, every day of the week. And then in Saudi Arabia itself, we have this commonplace thing of public executions. I mean, scores and scores of people, scores and scores every year, are beheaded, and crowds gather to watch it. Yeah. Young men um, gather to watch it, and so. 
this level of brutality is kind of naturalised. And I think that's where you get, you know, the people who are prepared to dismember Khashoggi's, you know, to hack him up while he's still alive, basically, to torture him and then Mm. murder him. And and one must also remember, sorry to go, keep going back to finance, but, you know, money is all all, all evil. Um, The Saudi money in the United States and the British uh, financial system, it's a huge, huge amount. They own massive amounts of US and and British companies. And if they they turned around and said, oh, we're just going to pull everything out, it would lead to a worldwide crash. You know, yeah, but I think that mm, that may be true. I'm not entirely convinced of that. It's like a fear, isn't it? You know, think of all the things you're fearful of, yeah. and you don't do because you're fearful. Mm, I mean, sometimes mm. you just got to put that aside. And I mean, okay, let the world crash, but I don't yeah, think it yeah. will. No, well, I don't yeah. think it will. I, I, I think the main thing with Saudi Arabia is actually its geopolitical importance to <coughs> to the United States and other Western powers, especially to the US, like. Saudi Arabia has been the the key ally of the United States in that region, um, second only to Israel, and I think that's that relationship is you know it's geopolitical as well as economic, and that's what is is driving you know the American. Um, mm attitude. Alright, well, we've run out of time. We're going to have to leave it there, but I'd like to thank you all for coming in this morning, especially you, Jill. Good to see you again. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, yes, I'll see you all again next week. See you on Monday morning, John.